Hello and welcome to Mums Work and Chaos with me, Louise. They say it takes a village to raise a child, so let me help you build yours. During this journey, I'll be learning about everything from neurodiversity in children's literature through to body image post-pregnancy. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this episode of Mum's Work and Chaos with me, Louise. Today, I am joined by uh, Kelly Taylor, aka Kids on the Commute. Um, and today we're going to be discussing uh, flexible working, what you're entitled to, and also a little, a little bit more about her new adventures. So Kelly, um, please introduce yourself. Hello. Um, hi, I'm Kelly Taylor, as already been said. Um, I have an Instagram handle, Kids in the Commute, which focuses on the lives and tri- life and trials of being a working parent, um, but also just being a mum and all the fun that comes with that. I like to kind of share the realities of that. Um, but aside from that, I've worked in the media industry for 20 plus years. <laughs> she says coffin. <laughs> um, in a corporate environment. Um, I'm a massive, flexible working advocate um also kind of key things for me are kind of like returning from mat leave and just basically finding ways to make sure that we don't lose the incredible talent that we have within the workforce when people have kids so yeah that's me say just kind of at the top of this podcast um all these opinions are my own uh and because um where I'm talking from and coming from basically is from a corporate environment when I'm talking about this I'm perfectly aware that some of these answers will not necessarily apply to all jobs in the world so my kind of experience comes from that. So just to be very clear, kind of at the top of the hour, as it were. As you guys know, I'm a mum of three. I've um, not only do I work in a corporate environment and have I in the past, but I've also run my own business as well, um, which has, um, you know, allowed me to work flexibly. But I've got a bit of background on both the self-employment side and the boundaries you have to put in place with your clients. So I used to run a Mm -hmm. a marketing agency Um, and also the um, flexible working within the corporate world as well. So um, you're going to get some really good input from both of us, hopefully. Um, But equally, I ran ran a question box on my Instagram, which you very wonderfully shared. Thank you very much. Um, And uh, we had some great questions coming through that and also through my um, Facebook membership group as well. So, yes, so we will be discussing your questions. So the the first question we've had through, which is um, really interesting, is um, like, how how do you compressed hours work with holidays? This is a fun one because basically, mm. as far as I'm aware, compressed hours, you're doing all the hours you'd normally do within a working week Correct. But within those Correct. four days. Yes. So you're still, because you're doing those hours, I'm guessing you're still entitled to exactly the same holiday leave. Yeah. I mean, I would say so. I would um agreed when it comes to holidays. And it's quite fascinating because I've had this conversation um multiple times with different people, with different, different opinions. Um My personal take on it is that you're not doing less hours um, and it's about the hours that you work, not the days that you work. So if you are doing full time hours, so five days worth of work across four days, your holiday should not be prorated. However, I am also aware that there are some in another camp who say, well, hang on a minute, that doesn't work because of the way that the fact, you know, you've got one day off that week, potentially, if you're working that way with compressed hours, it shouldn't work like that. But 
I'm still very much of the opinion, and I've looked at many employment policies, <laughs> to be honest, leave policies about this, um, and it should not be prorated because if you are working full-time hours, you get entitlement to full-time holiday. Yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly it. And, I mean, it that's that's really clear policy anyway. I mean, if you're work just because you've got that Friday off or that Monday off, you're still working the same five yeah. days a week, just within four. Correct. So, Delving into that a little bit more, I know that mm. you work compressed hours. Yes. So how does that, what does a day in a life of, of a five day a week in four look like? How how does that work? Because I know so, you work a lot from home as well. You yeah, I do. I do. And look, that, that massively helps. But I've found a way to basically schedule my day to make sure that I'm getting the most out of the working hours that I'm doing. That's massively important. Um so, so everyone knows kind of the setup that I had. Um, I work full-time hours, so five days across four, which ultimately means you're doing two additional hours per day across those four days to kind of make up the hours. Um, now, to be frank, before I asked for compressed hours, I was already doing more than two additional hours yeah. per day. So it just made sense to kind of do that. But the way it works is... Um, it depends on the day, but I will look at the best way to be the most efficient with my hours. So, for instance, if I'm working from home, I have the ability to take the girls to school. And then I'll be able to sit down at my desk, probably from just gone nine o'clock and be able to do my full day's work. Uh, my kids don't come home from childcare till about six o'clock in the evening. If for some reason I've not been able to complete the work that I've needed to do within those hours, then once they're in bed, I can be doing some additional bits and pieces here and there. Yeah. Um, if I'm commuting, because I have a long commute, um, it's an hour and a half each way. Wow. So that is quite a bit of a commute. Um, I factor in my commuting hours into my hour into the hours that I'm doing that that particular day. So what it might be is that if I'm catching a train at like quarter past seven in the morning, I'm working from quarter past seven in the morning. Yeah. I'm doing my emails. I'm thinking about the setup for my day. I'm making notes about a pitch that's coming up my brain's already gone into work mode the moment I've hit the commute. So I'm already working from quarter past seven. So for instance, on the commute, it potentially is that I will do more than two additional hours that particular day, because that's what I'm, you know, that's the way I've factored in my routine. Yeah. Um, and therefore I don't have to do as many hours on another working day, but it's just about having that level of flexibility across the working week. And my employees have always been fantastic. Slash I've always pressed upon them. This is how I'm doing it in the yeah. fact that, how I get my work done is up to me across my week. So yes, I am doing five days across four, but there might be some days when I'm like, do you know what? For one reason or another, I had to finish, I have a shorter day on a Wednesday. Now, I'm not supposed to work on a Thursday, but there is something I need to get done. And that's on me. And I am choosing to do a couple of hours potentially on a Thursday to be able to make it work. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, I'm not a big fan of the clock in, clock out. And I'm not just saying this for me. I'm saying that I'm a, you know, I was the senior leader of a team and I said it to all of them as well. Do what you have to get done when it needs to get done. If you happen to finish everything and you've not officially done your hours that week, that's okay. Because there'll be another week when you might find there's some additional hours that need to get done. It's all 100%. about balancing it out across a time frame. Also, the thing that needs to get taken into account is when you have been, doing a job for long enough you do things quicker yeah and they're still of the same level of quality that they always were 
I can work quicker having been in the industry for 20 years than I could when I was doing it for five years. Yeah. So, you know, I think there was a, a quote that from Anna Whitehouse, mother pucker, that was like, you know, pay me for the years, not for the hours. And it's true because I can do things quicker now. I so have therefore so it shouldn't much to say really, on that. <laughs> yeah, but you shouldn't really get penalised for that. You know, that's no. what's massively important. When when I started working um, at the company I'm at now, um, I originally started on four days a week, but yeah. I was spreading those out across five. So I was doing a full day Monday, full day Wednesday, and a full day Friday, and mm. two half days on a Tuesday and a Thursday. And that worked really well for me. But equally, because I'd come from, uh, it was a contract as part of, I was still running my agency at the time. I um, I was running timesheets. And so I'd say, Ooh. okay, yeah, I know. <laughs> Timesheets. But yep, some yep. clients require them. Time no, they do. They do. No, I get that. I get uh, that. It just, it's the yeah. mentality of like. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's horrible. But I, I would literally, I, if I, had a, I had a timer on my, on my phone and it was a business investment that I loved because the minute I sent an email, the minute I opened my emails on my phone or my computer, they were all linked up. It would just run. It would just start. Yeah minute the email was sent and the emails were closed down it would stop it was yeah piece of equipment but it meant that I could accurately run my timesheets and I could say okay I was sending slack messages with this client between this time I was uh, running teams messages with this client at this time and so it meant that I could still because I'd been offered a full-time job with this client permanently it meant that it gave me those two half days to sort of like wind down my other clients and, yeah I see what you mean and tail that tail my business off because I wanted to to move back to full-time um employment mm. um and so that was kind of helpful but equally um it, it was still quite difficult because it meant that I had to set hard boundaries and so oh, I really had to say hard, but... I'm available to you between nine and twelve now, talk to me about how many times that got respected, because it's a half day. I'm going to be half. honest with you, mm. quite a lot, because the the C, I'm so lucky, I'm so lucky that the CEO of the company that I work for is, yes, he's a man, but he's an advocate for women in the workplace and women Great. in senior leadership, which is fantastic. And he understands, being a father himself, understands yeah the challenge of young children and equally he has men within the organization who have young children and who help out at home and are and are equitable parents and I'm going to throw that term out there because Uh everyone needs to hear this it's possible to have an equitable parenting relationship with your partner you do everything on your own so um yeah, so because there are men within the organisation who are equitable parents as well, it means that he is a lot more accommodating in general. But equally, my boss at work, um, our marketing lead, is a freelancer who works two days a week. And mm. so it means that we both um, run the marketing together. Yeah, We both implement everything together. Equally, she is our PR and comms lead and so 
you know, we have we have a really good way of divvying things up and getting things done. And because we both come from that freelance environment, it means that we work really well as a team, which is fantastic. Yeah. But if anything goes wrong and like one of my children has to come home from nursery and they're sick, then she's just they're just like, OK, they're at home with you. They're sick. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's, that's it. If I have to do a team's call with the camera off because I'm going to have a small person peering over my shoulder constantly for the next hour and a half, <laughs> then that's cool as well. Yeah. Um, just been fantastic. And it's great that's when good. you've got a good employer who you can be open with. Yes. And I think the other uh, like one one question we've had in is around how do you stop people contacting you on mm. day off and I think from my perspective that is setting the boundaries and that is being honest with your employer these are my it days is. this is what I'm doing and I think as well sometimes uh, I work from home I don't I don't go into the office at all mm. um I think there's got to be that element of trust from your employer as well. And I think that it's very difficult if you're trying to do, you know, if you're trying to flexibly work or work from home and your employer doesn't trust you to get. No, but I think for me, this goes back to the moment you hire somebody. And I've Mm. always been a big advocate for you hire the whole person. You don't just employ the employee. Mm. Ultimately, you're not just got this machine that comes and starts work does their work and leaves you know they have thoughts and feelings and emotions and there's lots of things going on you know in the background that have got nothing to do with work but will affect their performance and their mood kind of on the day and I think as a manager you hire the whole person and you have to be respectful of that it's about having an EQ it's about the emotional intelligence of understanding that and also respecting that I still remember talking to a colleague years ago and when we um we're talking about potentially having to trial remote working because there've been rumours before March 2020 that we might end up working from home from a small period of time. Remember how that went? Um, and we were talking about, you know, what kind of practical setup you required in order to make that work you know, before the infrastructure was there with the tech and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they had a real issue themselves personally with it because they were very big on presenteeism basically which is the you know the mantra that ultimately you know unless you can see that person working then they're not working which is Mm. just ludicrous and that's another can of worms I won't go on my soapbox about um you know and I remember saying to them at the time if you don't trust them to be working when you can't see them why did you hire them I absolutely don't understand that mentality It, it it baffles me um and to be honest it says more to me about the manager than it says about you know the team member to be oh, honest yeah. um it's more about what their own experiences are or to be honest transferring what they think their behavioral patterns would be at work than what their team would do it's a prejudgment on them no 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 you can't possibly work from home because you're just not going to work it's like well, how do you know that yeah. that's a bit of a, a leap isn't it but the other thing I'd also address is that flexible working hybrid working um it's for everybody it's not just for parents. And I think it, you know, it, it naturally gets talked about as a benefit and a value to parents. It's a right for absolutely everybody. Um, it's not just sitting with parents. And I think actually what can cause a massive divide between those with kids and those without kids in the workplace is that. Why do the parents all get flexible working? You know, mm. I've, um, I have members of my team, parents and non-parents who were all on flexible working. I had absolutely no issue with it. 
because it isn't about well your need is greater than mine everybody's need is their own need everybody's feelings are valid everyone's life is their own (laughs) and you can't again have a prejudgment on something like that so it is absolutely about trust but I also don't believe that trust is earned I think why would you hire someone again who you don't trust trust isn't earned trust is given um you know and you have to also treat people as individuals that's the other thing I would say to managers and leaders because I've seen it far too much when blanket policies have come into place one person might misstep for one reason or another and everyone's right that's it no we're not we're not doing this type of flexible working anymore it's like but that's just the one person you need to address why that happened with them as an individual but not penalize the masses because what good does that do one bad apple doesn't make a a bad orchard at the end of the day and and that's it really doesn't Um, it's really difficult I think like you know it it one one person's written in which I think is a fantastic point that flexible working doesn't Mm. just benefit the employee no it doesn't there are so many benefits to the employer as well because having a happier workforce they're going to get things done faster. They're going to get yep. things done better. Because you, you know, did you find that having that that day um, to yourself mm. without the kids around? <laughs> how uh, how would you put it? Having that extra day, how did that make you a better employee? Well, it's not even an extra day because you were still working the same hours. You just had well, that- yeah. I think what it was for me for me it's a slightly different circumstance because um I had a full-time job and I had a full-time Instagram account yeah Thursdays <laughs> really <difficult>. yeah, <laughs> Thursdays basically was when I would step into my other full-time job ultimately yeah. so it wasn't really a day to decompress um in in the same way that I think most people would have but what it did give me was a bit more freedom headspace to be able to focus on you know other elements of my life that gave me joy let's put it like yeah. that way it did give me a time to kind of step away from that um what it did do is it made me feel well, just a happier employee I think I felt like I was being seen as a full-rounded individual I wasn't just there to sit and do the work there yeah. was an acknowledgement that there were things outside of work that were important to me that were also motivators. Um, and again, that's why I say, you know, it's not just for parents, it's for everybody, because yeah. everyone's got their motivators, their passion points, whatever it would be. And, and Instagram very much is a passion point for me. It's what gives me my joy, what gives me my spark, you know, in the same way that reading or cycling or art or dancing or whatever else it might be for other people. And that acknowledgement to say, do you know what? Yeah, you can yeah. have a day to do what you want to do that gives you your spark, you your mo- motivation get air into your lungs exactly absolutely go ahead and do that um, so you working in media and me working in marketing very mm. creative industries anyway yes. yeah um but equally having that creative outlet that time to be creative I mean especially if you're working in a maybe not as creative um role anyway mm. I think gives you that opportunity to to spread your wings a bit um yeah exactly find your passion do something that makes you, you feel happy whether it is it's finding you're happy and I think if lockdown taught us anything I mean let's be frank it taught us many many things oh god yeah <laughs> especially I, one number one being I could not be a teacher 
Um, it's ridiculously hard. Um, no, yeah. Homeschooling awful. a four-year-old with a 19-month-old running around. That was really fun. <laughs> no, ne- never, never again. I still get eye twitches when we have to do homework together. Um, <laughs> but it was just how important creativity is. And it's creativity with a small C or a big C. Ultimately, yeah. it's, it's where you not just find you're happy, but it's also where you can be authentically you. Um, you know, where it doesn't have to be the same as everybody else. You're not following the herd. It, it's what gives you just this unbridled joy, unbridled joy, probably that you haven't felt since when you were a kid. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just this, I don't know. It, it gave me such um, a fire in my belly and a spark to want to do that. But also that helps your brain when you go into work because you haven't just sat, I mean, you could have just sat there watching Netflix. That's absolutely fine if that's what you want to do. But I don't think people do do that. I think they go and say, well, how do I discover myself? And as a parent, as a mum, if I'm being honest, you know, one of the things I struggled with the most was um, a lack of identity when I first had my kids. And actually being able to delve more into the creative side of who I am has helped me find that identity again, reestablish myself um I am different I am changed but again it it sounds you know far-fetched but ultimately giving people flexible working allows them to find out a little bit more about themselves and who they are um and it might work in one way it might work in a way that goes you know I really value I feel a valued employee and therefore I want to give back more to the business it might you know like it has for me it's also not only done that but it made me discover that there was another path I wanted to follow but that's also okay too um but yeah it's massively important for businesses to give flex working and also actually they've been trialing um the four-day working week which is different to compressed hours that is the end the idea that I wanted to touch on this as well (laughs) yeah the idea is that you work four days rather than five literal four-day hours yeah still get paid for full time and of the companies that have trialed this it was over 100 companies that trialed it those that presented the data have found a myriad of benefits to that less sick days people even taking you know we'll say less holiday that's not a good thing but people you know you know there were there was less sick days in there people felt more empowered you know there was satisfaction surveys which let's be honest if you're in the corporate industry they seem to be done every five minutes yeah are you okay are you happy um (laughs) and they were really really positive because people did feel valued and felt recognised and felt happier. Um, and more importantly, not a single one of those companies that provided data saw a downturn in profits. And let's be honest, when you're first going to your company and you're saying, please, may I um, work flexible hours in, in whatever kind of iteration you've chosen that works best for you, the first thing the company's thinking is, there's going to be a, down, a downturn in profits. It's absolutely yeah. going to be a downturn in profits. We're going to lose money if we do this. It's going to be too complicated to work out. How do we make this work? Um, but so far, the data has shown that absolutely is not the case, which is fantastic. Um, so yeah, it's fingers really crossed funny, that this becomes like, a, a full rollout. One of our listeners has written in and said, um, why are workplaces so scared about flexible working? What seems to make them hesitate? And I think that's that's exactly at that point that you touched on that they're wor- they're concerned about a downturn, but all the evidence shows the opposite, especially that data that we yeah. already have now about the four day working week. But equally, I was reading a um, a study on LinkedIn the other day, 
um, that looked at American companies that had offered unlimited holiday mm. to their employees. And they actually found that their employees were not taking as much holiday as they yeah. would have if they had an allotted amount and were more stressed and more likely to suffer from burnout because they were they they felt that they didn't want to take the piss basically with the yeah. amount of holiday they were taking and so a lot of companies who were offering originally offering this unlimited holiday bundle as part of their signing bonus agreement mm. with their new employees were actually revoking it and enforcing the 28 days holiday again because um because of this reason they were they they had employees who were unhappy who were not taking care of themselves who were not looking after themselves because they were scared of looking like they were taking too much holiday it's fascinating isn't it the way people's minds work because I have always been a bit fast and loose with my team's annual leave I can say that now I've left no one can get me now um <laughs> because I have again always kind of operated on I trust my team implicitly they know what they've got to get done when they've got to get done they're grown-ups you know this is not yeah. a parent-child relationship here manager and team this is a we're all adults here yeah um and I trust them to get done what they need to get done so I've always been whenever an annual leave you know kind of um, request would come through you know I'd be like Is anybody else off we've got the we always have a certain amount of making sure yeah. the resource was managed you know are these people off with everything okay if you say it's okay I believe you off you go never did I ever check how much holiday they were taking now I, again I trust them implicitly but yeah. I never checked I never no. checked if somebody was taking more holiday than they, they should or shouldn't um but I find it fascinating that you know people were were frightened of looking like they were taking the mickey because again I think that's a cultural thing within the business mm. I like to believe and maybe naively some people may be screaming at the screen right now but I like to believe naively that if you've got the culture right in your company people you've created a safe space you wouldn't actually behave like that you wouldn't you might not take as much holiday and I think that's where actually tracking what your team are taking is important because it's yeah. not about making sure they're not taking the mickey it's actually about making sure they're taking the minimum requirement what I would yeah. argue is that when businesses do implement some kind of policy that says it's unlimited holiday they have almost like an addendum to that which is it's unlimited holiday take what you need to take but you have a minimum amount of leave that you must take which is x amount of days yeah. that is mandatory you have a mandatory amount of leave you have to take and then if you take anything over and above that fill your boots pretty happy with that that's where it's not been managed giving people you know you know I don't know making it open season on holiday again you've got to look at the way people's minds work you know you've also got you know people who you know there's neurodiversity in there as well so people's brains are going to be translating the messaging that they're getting slightly yes. differently they might be reading different social cues they might be reading something slightly different into it businesses I think it's irresponsible of businesses to, to just give a blanket policy like that they need to have a look at their entire workforce and think where are the pitfalls in this run a trial I'm yeah. a big fan of trials for every different policy change you make yeah. and then go okay right where did we fall down here okay fine so it's not about taking away no. unlimited holiday it's about saying no it's okay we've realized our mistake now you're not taking enough you don't feel it's a safe space so mandatory 28 days a year 
and then take more I think that's the thing is that you know like there's there's definitely an element of knowing the expectations on you from your employer and your employer understanding that they have they can trust you to get your work done and that's that's what it is when um when this person was saying you know obviously it's a it's a two-way street there's benefits for everyone um I think as well it's just making sure that you're you're as open as you can be with your employer Mm. about what your expectations of your flexible working uh you know arrangement is but equally they their expectations on you about your role and honestly that should be part that should come into the hiring process in the first place it should when you're when you're now I've said this a lot to to a lot of people um but when you are interviewing for a role it's not just um to see whether they like you and whether you whether they like the way you work and the way you present yourself and and everything else it's a case of you working out if you like them and honestly I lucked out massively I got a try before you buy I worked with the company for two months before you know before it was the deal was sealed and we were Mm. full-time employment I got to see the way they work I got the inside track I was so lucky (laughs) I got to I got to get in there get muck muck in um and uh, I I work for a startup as well and I'm a generalist Mm. marketer so I absolutely love it because it meant that I uh, and and also the, the other benefit of being in full-time employment compared to working for myself was yeah. that actually I I you know get paid for doing training like mm. so if I so recently I um I know that there are and I apologize to the graphic design community because I, I know that you guys listen <laughs> because I have a lot of friends who are graphic designers but <clears throat> I use Canva for work and um, I recently signed up. I mean, I've got a good understanding of Canva. I have a good understanding of Photoshop and InDesign as well because I've had training courses on those in the past. Um, but I, um, I I started doing like uh, the free Canva training that yeah. Canva runs. And when I was working for myself, I'm going to be really honest, I would not have found the time to do it. No. Because time is money and I was and because I was running timesheets as well for a lot of my clients and charging them per hour it meant that I was trying to cram in as much work as I possibly could into the days that I was working and in a lot of cases I found that I was working more than five days a week instead of working strictly the four days a week that I wanted to work yeah and so it's uh, you know I've got a lot of um I'm friends with a lot of people who are self-employed um who are freelancers and who run their own agencies and the ones who are the most successful are the ones who have really strong boundaries with their clients and set out yeah. the expectations before they start working with them and say you are employing me for three hours a week I will work for you for three hours a week that's it the minute those three hours are up we're done I think it's Um, also a conversation with the company you're working for as well as mm -hmm. to whether or not they believe your job role can fit within the hours that you're discussing and that has to be a key one because I think you're right when you first get employed and you have those discussions with them you're setting your boundaries out from the outset now it's not easy to do because 
you're new and you're shiny and you want to make a good impression. Mm. Um, so some of those conversations can be quite, quite tricky. But then there's another side to it, which is you were employed to do X amount of hours or X amount of days per week a few years ago. And now circumstances have changed or whatever it may be. And now you're looking to change your working hours. Can your job still be done in that particular time? And those are the honest conversations you've got to have with your employer. And it's not about going too far one way and just saying, I'm entitled to this. It is my right, right, right. No, it's about a two-way conversation with your manager, with your employer about whether or not your role can fit within those particular hours. And also having a really honest look at whether or not you are maybe doing things outside of the initial role for which you were hired. And it's fascinating when you actually sit down and look at it and go, well, actually, hang on a minute. That's strictly speaking, not my role. It's just something that seems to have migrated toward me. That really needs to get handed back. So you also have to look at yourself and go, am I enabling certain behaviors? Now we were talking about boundaries earlier. And I think that is a key one to have a look at because for many years, I was an enabler. (laughs) I would quite happily moan and whinge about this person's contacting me again on my day off or I found myself doing this and rah 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 and then I kind of almost had this second version of myself pop up and go yeah but you were kind of allowing that to happen I'm like yeah yeah you know I'm gonna oh it's okay fine yeah okay fine I'll just do this oh yeah it's fine you know I'll just you know I'm you know I'll do this because again I was living in this world of I'm so grateful that you know the business has set up this environment for me in which I'm able to come to work as my whole self that you know I'm going to go the extra mile I'm going to do this but actually it was to my detriment and I yeah. wasn't upholding boundaries and I was being an absolute enabler for them being smashed down so I had to have a real look at myself and the way that I was operating and actually having had that shift quite a few years now my goodness it bought me so much more space but it mm. also bought me more space to do the thing I was supposed to be doing in the first place because I realized just how much of maybe other people's work I was taking on or spending too long on certain tasks because they weren't actually my task to be doing. So it was taking me longer to actually do it. So it's really important to uphold those boundaries, but it's also important to make sure that those boundaries allow you to do the role for which you were employed. There is a key there, you know, it isn't all about you. It is also about the business too and whether or not you can find that happy balance. And you often can find the happy balance. I think before we even started recording, you and I were having a little chat, weren't we? You know, and I do believe that in the corporate working world, to be clear, there is no reason that flexible working cannot be available to absolutely everybody. There really isn't a reason for that. Yeah. Um, I work with people like all over the world. So I have employees based in America. I have employee, uh, uh, well, employees, colleagues based in America, but I also have colleagues based um, in the APAC region as well, based in Mm. in India in particular. And, um, you know, we all make slight accommodations every now and again to have a meeting. It might be like it's the end of the day for me, but the morning for them, or I'll try and set a a meeting for the end of the day for my colleague in India, Mm. but it means it's the beginning of the day for me. That's fine. We can all do that, but it's possible to fit those into working hours. There's no reason that you should be having meetings within you know, within times that you're not working. And with um, with my colleagues in the US, in some cases, they'll message me on Teams at seven, eight o'clock at night. 
usually with the caveat of don't reply to this until the morning it can mm. wait and I think that's the the point of having working within an organization that yeah. has a culture of respect and um and understanding the boundaries that are in place um is fantastic but equally having an employer who understands that other that people have commitments outside of work it might be that you're a parent it might be that you volunteer at a dog shelter it might be that you have an elderly parent that needs looking after um and that you can afford care for certain periods of the day mm -hmm. but you need to go and then take care of them for the evening as long as those sort of i think as long as those expectations from both sides are understood and met and there's a culture of respect within the organization, not just for your bosses, but from your bosses to you, mm. um, you know, that that flexibility can work both ways and work really well. And by, you know, respecting colleagues who have uh, who aren't parents and need flexible working for a myriad of reasons, whether that is pursuing a passion or looking after mm. said, a family member who's in need, you know, it takes a weight off that employee and it makes them perform so much better because during those working hours your employee is not going to be sitting there going oh my god I don't know if I'm, I've got a meeting at seven o'clock at night that I have to accommodate and I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to my mum in time to make sure she's had a tea before she goes to bed you know but it, it there, there's so many different reasons and that anyone might want flexible working and I think you know mother Anna Whitehouse, mother pucker, uh, raised a really important point this morning as well, didn't she? When she posted mm. her reel about um, a father who asked for flexible working and he had it denied, and his boss's his boss said to him, "Isn't that down to your missus?" Like seriously, there is mm. such an archaic view when you know the world has changed, and I, especially during lockdown, my husband. His eyes were opened. <laughs> yeah. He saw that between meetings, between phone calls, between emails, I was stacking the dishwasher. I was sorting clothes. I was putting the laundry on. I yeah. might quickly run the hoover around the living room because it's such a tip. I'm looking at my living room now. You guys don't want to see it. Mine is the same. I've got this really clear-ish background, but ultimately <laughs> it's a disaster zone everywhere I've literally else noticed right an empty now. hula hoop packet out my periphery. It's nice. really um, it's shame it's empty. I love a hula hoop. <laughs> yeah, I know. I should be sneaking one. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it it really opened his eyes. And him being able to work from home as well meant that we had a sit down. We said, right, okay, I'm going to do pickups and school runs on this day. You mm. can do pickups and school runs on that day. Great. And so far, we stick to it. And if there, for any reason, an important meeting comes up for either of us, because we're both senior leadership within our organisations, yeah. it means that one or the other will try and accommodate if the other one needs to to oh, do absolutely absolutely something. I think Ian and I are very similar we've always um since we've all we've both had the uh, you know the ability to work from home mm. we always make sure that at least one of us if one of us is in the office the other one is at home in case the school calls because they always do whenever yep. both of you are away you know <laughs> just to make sure that someone is always here but we've we've definitely divvied up a lot more of the childcare and a lot more of the house stuff since lockdown because mm -hmm. you know 
we now work completely as a team and actually it's quite nice because we've actually got to the point now where we both take the kids to school the majority of the mornings yeah um because we both like the walk and actually it's quite nice because by the time you drop the kids off you grab a coffee and you walk back together child free yeah and you can actually have a conversation without being you know interrupted 11 billion times which is usually what tends to happen that's my favorite um, as well but it's it's <laughs> It is really important to acknowledge that fathers have just as much responsibility, you know, with the kids. He's also had it, you know, you know, he's also had it where something similar was said to him and he pushed back and was like, no, because one, she works full time. But then he also did point out, he goes, but even if she didn't, I want to take my kids to school. Yeah, that's me. That's that's what I want to do. It's not about whether or not somebody else can do it. I'm sure somebody else could do it if I was really stuck but I want to because that is my role as a dad yeah and that should be acknowledged um and going back to what you were saying earlier about kind of being accommodating for kind of teams globally we've had something very similar to that and I think again that is part and parcel of your role and part of the conversation you have with your employer because if you are going to be having you know catch-ups conversations and working with people you know within different time zones you also have to accept that there is going to have to be a level of flexibility but it cannot be sprung on you. Um, like you said, you know, if you're sitting there going, I don't know if I'm going to get a call at bath time, that's not okay. That's not respecting boundaries. Those kind of things need to be scheduled. And the people are like, well, I'm not sure. It's like, well, if you're not sure whether or not it's happening, then it, it can't happen. Now, admittedly, when you're dealing with clients, I appreciate it's not quite that simple. <laughs> if you're internal colleagues, you can shift it. But if you are also answerable to a client, that is when it just becomes slightly more problematic because they want something right now. and your time isn't necessarily your own but then I would like to hope that somebody senior within the team can help manage that relationship with the client and set the boundaries there because that's a different type of boundary setting outside of your company yeah with the clients that you're working with when I was running my agency I had um four freelancers working with me so I um I'd had a coaching session with the amazing Claire Ferreira, who um, is the founder of the Mums in Marketing um, group on Facebook. Um, There is a membership group. Um, Again, I've done a podcast with her recently, and I would 100% um, advocate that anyone within marketing, you know, any mums within marketing join her group because it's an amazing place. Um, But I had a coaching session with her, and she said, right, I want you to write down everything you do, everything you do. And then I want you to write down everything you don't want to do Mm. and everything you do want to do in two separate columns. I want you to divvy out everything you do into the things you want to do, things you don't want to do. And even I want you to put in things you do want to do that are outside of work. So whether that is going to a craft class or going to the pub once a week with your friends or putting or bathing your kids doing doing something fun with them going to the park I want you to put it all down in this list of things you do want to do and the list of things you don't want to do and that massively helped me um because I decided to look for um freelancers who were specialists in the things Mm. I hated doing and it worked it meant that I was happier I could manage the relationships with the clients because I like talking to people that's cool um and I'm in a not uh, it so uh we're going through this process at the moment me and my eldest of getting um going through diagnosis for ADHD Mm -hmm. but equally being um 
neurodiverse. It means that I am a bit of an out the box thinker. Um, and so again, it meant that I could offer more sort of strategic advice to my clients as well. Yeah. And although my team could imp- implement it all, um, there were some elements that I just really didn't enjoy doing. Yeah. And I procrastinate on it to the point where I didn't, wasn't yeah. getting done. Um, and so, yeah, it, we um I would I, I hired people to do the things that I hated doing and mm. so you know although I might get a message from a client at bath time I could then stick it into um our Monday account put the task in divvy it out to the right person get it done knew it was dealt with knew that the next morning um you know one of them would pick it up and, and run with it and yeah. um you know most of my uh freelancers would um it, again we're working a particular set number of hours a week and I wouldn't check I just let them get on with it I build the client for the time the job yeah. got done that's what that's what we were you know um working towards and a lot in the end a lot of what I was doing was um project based as well yeah. instead of time based and so instead of saying to a client oh we're going to take this amount of time I'd say okay we're going to be uh, do implementing the SEO keywords into your web copy. This is uh, we're going to charge you this. Yeah, and that was it. I think, and I it think made also, it so much easier. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And also, but I think also when working with anybody, I think it's also important to have a look at what lines of communication, what methods of communication you have enabled. Yeah. So, if you are just on email, great. You close your laptop down at a particular point in the day and you're done I mean it's funny isn't it you look back to before email I mean what do people do just work nine to five and we're done I mean it's, it's yeah. crazy um you know we go teams. back to then <laughs> oh, you know you go back to tea you look at teams and if you've just got it on your laptop great because once your laptop's done but then you might have the teams app on your phone which I did which meant that anytime anyone messaged it could be me or it could I was part of a group you know so we're working in a global company yeah I'd be getting pings of teams and immediately my brain that had gone on, you know, quiet mode when it came to work, all of a sudden sprang back up again because yeah. a team's message had come up. And even though it wasn't for me, all of a sudden it just reactivated some thought prices about something I had to do at work and yeah. my brain's whirring again. So I realized, right, I'm going to have to put um, teams on mute mode the moment my work is finished. Um, yeah. If you have a separate work phone, amazing. Once you finish, your phone goes away. Those are your hours. It's gone down. Um if unfortunately, like myself, you decided it was really sensible to give out your your own personal number, um, you have to be wary that you could get hold WhatsApp my hand messages. Up that. Yeah, you get <laughs> your, your your phone. All of a sudden, you're going to get WhatsApp messages, general messages, calls, whatever yeah. on your day off because you haven't you haven't kind of built up those boundaries. Um, but one thing I did do that my team actually fed back on and said, "I'm really glad you did that. I'm going to follow." Because it's also about role modeling. Yeah, is I was a bugger for sending emails of an evening, not because I wanted anything to be actions. I made that very clear to my team, but because sometimes I hadn't finished what I needed to get done. My kids would go to bed. That was when I would do a bit, you know, a bit of hour while I was doing dinner. I feel like I know where this is going. <laughs> but on my signature, I actually had uh, underneath, I basically said, um, I work flexible hours. If yeah. you if you receive this email outside of your working hours, please do not feel you have to respond to it until your working hours start. Yeah. And that was on my signature. So that went out to everybody from right at the top 
to every team member ultimately across the entire business because yeah. I also wanted to set a boundary and let them know they could set boundaries too from the outset I'm going you're going to ping emails at me every time now I also am aware that there is now uh, an ability to time your emails so you yeah. can write the email you need to write and then you can set the timers and basically so they will ping out at 8 30 9 o'clock whenever you want to ping out um I didn't do that I don't know why I didn't do that I yeah didn't do that. I no I there. only discovered it recently so what what I do is um if I'm if I'm sort of like catching up mm. uh, once the kids are asleep um I I quite like um you know bringing the laptop out maybe one one evening a week two evenings yeah. a week because it gives me the chance to it's quiet correct uh, my husband he works um interesting hours because his com- the company he works for is based in Vancouver so not oh, uh, so yeah. he works um he works between um well he he does like to log in first thing in the morning anyway and sort of catch up on work but it might be that he potters around and he does stuff before the real work day starts before everyone yeah. else comes online so he's got colleagues all over the world as well but equally he um uh he starts sort of like 11ish and he, yeah. he might have a break in the evening where he'll come in do have tea with us help with bedtime and then he'll go back out and have calls with his colleagues in uh, over that side yeah. of um and he's actually been in the process of, of dealing with Japan as well which has meant he's had yeah. phone calls at one in the morning but again yeah. he takes that time back through the day which is fantastic um but uh yeah I I like to take the laptop every now and again out when he's he's working away mm. it means that I've got that time and that headspace to concentrate without my colleagues messaging me I block out my evenings between um half five and eight o'clock in my calendar that is blocked out um I have colleagues that block out the first hour of their day yeah. so that they can do their admin and write their to-do lists and get started on the day without having to have business meetings yeah because I've got a colleague over in the US who's um, based in Baltimore and um, and then there's us in the UK and so he blocks that time out because that is you know one o'clock in the afternoon for us so we don't then start having meetings with him until two o'clock in the afternoon which is fantastic yeah. because that means he gets that headspace to start yeah. his day. Um, but I think I think calendar blocking is a huge, hugely beneficial thing. Yeah. It sets the boundaries out to your colleagues. But equally, when I was working um, four days a week, I put my working hours in my signature and I put my working hours in my team status as well. Yeah. So and you have, as you said, you have the ability to um to schedule your teams as well to show certain times as off limits and you can also make it so that um it sends a message like an automatic reply so Mm. if you do get a a message outside of your working hours and your teams is logged off um you can set it so that it they get an automatic reply that's basically like an out of office that says my working hours are these I will reply to your message as soon as I come online yeah I mean I've seen some people have put things like I'll get back to you within 24 hours of you know receiving this ultimately um I'm the same I'm a calendar blocker I always have been but I'm not just a calendar blocker I'm also very vocal about what I'm doing because again there's Mm. nothing to hide here I'm not doing some kind of dodgy practice my team knows damn well on a Friday I'm not taking any calls or meetings after 12 o'clock 
because no. that is my time first of all why is anyone making a meeting at that time on a Friday baffles me but also <laughs> that is my time to catch up on all the admin that I haven't been able to do and it's really important to make sure you do that the other thing I would do are stealth days and I recommend stealth days to everybody um they're working days but you cancel all of your meetings yeah. you don't, don't take any calls and I used to say to my team taking a stealth day on Wednesday um if you need me and it's super urgent you can whatsapp me but I'm not responding no to anything or anyone this is a stealth day because I don't know I've got a strategy document that I need to work on or something that I need to focus on and quite frankly unless I carve out an official time for me to be able to do that you know I'm not going to be able to do it so I'd be quite vocal and say you guys are more than welcome to take stealth days and that's the other thing as well again you know messages to managers and leaders it's not do as I say not as I do for me, it's very much a, if I am permitting myself to be able to do it, I'm also permitting my team to be yeah. able to do it, which again is why I would always be very, very honest to that with them, sorry, about what it was, about to lose power in my Mac, there we go, um, <laughs> about what it was that I was going to do and also tell them about the benefits and the values of why I am operating like yeah. that. Um, and, I and inadvertently have stealth days most Mondays because Mondays um, my... Um, the the lady I report into as I said is a freelancer Mm. um, and she works two days a week Um, but again she works those days across the week Um, so um, it is is, uh, honestly she's hands up she's amazing but um, she um, but on a Monday she works from another client's office and so I can teams her if I want to but generally I'm I'm a senior marketer. I've been in marketing for the last 15 years and and one of the most amazing things again when I started in this role um as we were talking about prior to us pressing record um my uh, as well as um running my own marketing agency I had a previous life as a bridal wear distributor. <laughs> um and so but within that, I was doing the logistics, the marketing, yeah. the PR, the picking and packing. I was running the trade shows. I was doing all the sales. I was, it was me, one man band until I um, hired a sales administrator and a, yeah. a sales rep. Um, and so it meant that, um, so when I started my agency and when I started, especially when I started working uh, joint. Uh, joint full-time employment again Mm. had huge imposter syndrome yeah huge imposter syndrome uh because I was like I I I have a degree in marketing I have not always been just in marketing and so to come in um and I, I mean I started my career in tech marketing I'm back in tech marketing again but um I had this huge like self-doubt it was just like oh my god all these skills are actually really transferable I'm an idiot I can do this I think a lot of a lot of it as well is like the ability to know that we are capable of doing the job and coming across confident when we are for flexible working so when I initially started I was like I can do four days a week and I will happily spread that over five so that I'm Mm. available but these will be my working hours and they were like that's fine because I was open honest and confident when I went into the initial negotiations for my part-time for my initial contract 
but even the confidence in knowing that we are capable of doing the job that they're asking us to do within the certain time frame and so when we present that to our bosses mm. it's coming across confident being sure of our abilities um yeah. and and not sounding too demanding but equally not sounding too airy fairy about it I know and it's that you know, one of one of the pieces of advice I would give if people are putting in applications for any level of flexible working is be really clear about what you're actually asking mm. for and show that thought has gone into it show you know these are the hours I wish to work this is how I'll distribute the hours over the particular days that I'm asking for this is my day off you know, anything, these are all the things that could potentially come in during the day that I'm, you know, off. Um, my work in that particular case, these would be the points of contact for those particular tasks. It's really having, you know, a thought process. But then it's also saying, can we trial it? Yeah. Because, you know, businesses may just go, no, it's just not going to work. But it's based on assumption. It's not necessarily based on fact. There is also something which I, I, I found fascinating where they did a survey not too long ago about flexible working. And some people actually came back and said, you know, what? I tried compressed hours. Didn't work for me because yeah. they actually found that they were working more hours than they should have done. And they're actually burning themselves out over those days. They were finding it more difficult to juggle childcare. So, you know, it's about finding what flexible working kind of option is, is right for you, really. Yeah. Um, so it's a trial just as much for you as it is for the business yeah, to see you know, yeah. where are those kind of issues that you might need to address or pinch points or wherever it may be but also just to dispel any myths for both parties yeah ultimately you know businesses are like no you know you're, you're not going to be as productive or you know there's going to be too much work on that particular person or this is going do you know what those are all really valid points but what I'd like to do is trial that and actually find out if those assumptions are in fact realities and address those as and when they come up in real time rather than trying to troubleshoot a potential pitfall that might not actually exist until you actually trial it out and whenever anyone has um, requested compressed hours or any different type of flexible working from me I've always said absolutely let's do a three-month trial but what's also key to that is agreeing on key evaluation points yeah so what are the areas that each party wants to have a look at whether it's you know the business going here are where I think the challenges are going to be. Okay, let's note those down. Let's note kind of what does success look like? Because nobody's saying, yeah, let's do it on a three-month trial. You do the three-month. And then the business goes, yeah, I don't think that worked. And you're like, well, why? Well, I don't know. I just didn't feel it did. Right, because no one actually set out any KPIs here. Yeah. So you need to know what success looks like for both parties. Um, and also, you know, where you think, you know, when you're saying, oh, I don't think you're going to be performing as strongly. Okay, well, what areas of performance do you think are going to be those metrics? What are we measuring here? And be really clear about yeah. it um to be able to put your case forward and say yeah okay this you know this is what we've got to do if you, you know you, it has to work for both parties but you also have to be very clear about what you want how you see it working and also what the measurements of success are going to be so that you can look at those evaluation points at the end of those three months and have a fair conversation about it yeah lloyd's bank recently mm. yeah. <laughs> recently mm. put out well, I'm going to phrase it as a demand because it was. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the, the the wonderful uh, Pregnant and Screwed, please, again, if you're a mum in working, yeah, please follow her. Even if you're a mum and you're not working, thinking about returning to work, please follow her. Sign every 
everything that she asks you to uh, because it all goes towards your rights and equally take every questionnaire she pops out there because all of all of that information is so useful to to her but equally to employers across the country um so uh she she had a a a very good viewpoint on on this demand um but one question I've had was, uh, what is with the current wave, uh, current wave of employers changing work policy to a minimum of X days in the office or even all days in the office? So many people have recently been informed that this kind of new policy is being introduced without consultation. Yeah. And um, I know that my my sister has um, borne the brunt of this as well. She um, she negotiated full time work from home with her employer and has now been told that she has to do a minimum of two days a week in the office as well um she even had it in writing and they revoked it so um it's it's very tricky at the moment and and you know Lloyd's doing what they did um yeah quite a lot of backlash around that as well but it it is the lack of consultation isn't it I think if an employer came to you and said we want to trial people coming back into the office for a certain number of days a week then people might be more on board with actually trialing it but yeah people have got so used to being able to be more flexible with their childcare, they're seeing the benefits of not having to take their kids to breakfast clubs or after school clubs and and Mm. things to have that wraparound care that costs a lot of money um and to to then enforce this with a very short amount of um forewarning yeah um, it's the the enforcement I've been speaking to some people who uh, will remain anonymous but are Lloyd's employees to kind of understand the temperature now obviously there is utter outrage internally about this um for many many reasons one being the fact that there was as you rightly say absolutely no consultation it was just a mandatory this is what excuse me sorry this is what is happening yeah um it's being rolled out in some departments at the moment it is in every aspect of Lloyd's um but all departments eventually do feel that they are going to get hit by it um Look, I, look, it probably will surprise people. I'm not, by the way, saying what Lloyds have done is correct at all. But I think in answer to the initial question, which is, you know, why is this wave coming through? Um, I do get it to an extent because I've spoken to a lot of people across many walks of life, many teams, you know. And at the moment, the biggest pushback is coming, especially from mums, from working mums saying, oh, my God, but my childcare setup completely fits around the fact that I'm working and you know, they're panicking about the time. I get all of that. There are other kind of aspects to it of those who don't work productively from home, who don't want to be working from home, who I've, you know, I've argued have the right to be in the office as much as they want to be. I think the issue is this whole mandatory thing. But what businesses don't want to do, and I think are concerned is being lost in some areas, is connectivity. Mm. Is that people are losing certain skill sets from not necessarily vibing with their team. I think that's the best way I can put it. There's a concern. It depends what you do in your job. Let's be frank. We all do so many things. We all have so many different skill sets. There are some roles which can be 100% remote. There is no issue. We have the infrastructure, the technology to be able to communicate like this. We absolutely do. Um, 
I personally would find going into the office very different from working from home. I would find I would be sitting at my desk and I could hear conversations going on that I wouldn't ordinarily be privy to and I could kind of chip in and get that little bit of information or I could go for lunch with colleagues or, or whatever it was but it was my choice to go in and I think this is where the biggest challenge is I don't have an issue with businesses saying to their employees we'd love to see you more we'd, we'd love to see you in the office if you can make that happen that's fine I have an issue with businesses saying it is now mandatory that you come in yeah and it's like why if yeah. you can rationalize this for me if you can give me some facts some figures some data points if you can show that me not being in the office um is causing a downturn in profits yeah or whatever else your measurements of success are i'll listen to you and i will make the choices that fit right for me because you telling me you want me back in the office this isn't what i signed up for yeah so you've now actually changed the parameters in which we agreed i was going to operate so i now have to make a choice do i comply with your request do i feel your request is fair lawful whatever it may be or do I go do you know what this isn't where I want to be anymore because actually you're not allowing me mm-hmm. not to do what I want this isn't about throwing our toys out the no. and going, that's not fair you know this is about us going well hang on a minute the way that I operate now with my setup this this doesn't feel right and also it doesn't feel that you're respecting what we'd previously agreed yeah, and I we were talking before about feeling valued, and it's like I don't feel valued now. I feel like an absolute commodity. Oh, and yeah. I also feel like you're saying, "Do this, but if you don't like it, go." And it's like, okay, well, if that's how you feel, then I probably will. But then also, employees have to understand what the impact of that is going to be, yeah. because what is going to happen is if you say, "I want you in," from going from no days a week to a mandatory two to three days a week, which is a bit like, oh, good, okay, God, that's that's quite a lot. Um, you are going to lose people. You're going to lose talent. You are closing yourselves off to people with caring responsibilities. Mm. You're, you know, you're closing yourself off to so many people. A lot of people also, and it was their choice, and I get that, they moved out of town. Yeah. Because all of a sudden the infrastructure was there. So they might have been half an hour, 45 minutes away from the office, but now they've discovered they can be an hour and a half, two hours away from the office. And it's like, that is impractical. And the financial side of things of having to travel into the office, mm-hmm. and all that, it's like, hang on a minute this isn't just about we want you back in the office now just cause no this is this this has a real impact on the way that I work live my life and maybe this we're not compatible anymore it's incredibly it I, I felt like it had a vibe of we you know sort of like there was a test involved in it do you know what I mean mm. and equally um it, your use of the word comply do I comply uh, it, yeah. it's uh it you know it's testing the loyalty of your of your you know workforce yeah. and the the other thing is like my my employer's head office is in Reading mm. I have been there once for the Christmas mm. party it was said to me it would be nice if um if you could make the journey but we understand that your commute to us is two hours one way yeah yeah um, I am based in in Brentwood in Essex and I think one of the massive benefits of lockdown was not only people being able to work from home being able to work more flexibly 
Um, but he was opening up this amazing global pool of talent to yeah. employees, uh, to employers. They were able to source people from all over the place. My 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 boss lives in Manchester. Mm. She lives in Manchester. She's never been down um, to the office. I haven't physically met her yet. We have a really good working relationship. And again, I think that's about company culture more than anything. If you make the effort to connect with your employees and you make the effort to share wins from the organization, to share everyone's achievements, we have a weekly all hands meeting. Again, we're a startup. There are about 30 of us in the whole of the in the whole of the company. But we have a weekly all hands meeting that is set at a time of day that suits the majority of employees. Mm. It's not mandatory to attend, but attendance is nearly 95 percent most most weeks. And some weeks we have a theme set out by our CEO who says, uh, who manages the meetings he'll say okay today we're going to hear from this particular team about this particular project that they're working on they're going to share their wins other times he might call on me at the moment I'm um organizing a virtual a global virtual summit um and he'll, he'll call on me to give statistics about the number of people that we've had signed up who we've got as speakers share links to our LinkedIn yeah. posts so that our employees can share with their networks as well but we don't force anyone to do anything it's not like I sit there and say you must share the LinkedIn link no, with everyone people exactly. share it because they're engaged and they're excited but again it goes back to connectivity so what yeah. I would my advice would be if your employer all of a sudden has done a bit of a 180 on you and turn around and said right you know we need you in the office x amount of days you have the right to ask what's changed yeah what you know what is the rationale you know between you know with those decisions ask if connectivity is the issue because again for a lot of people that I've spoken to again from all walks and different sectors it has been their concern is that you know working remotely in terms of connecting with your team is not as powerful as doing it face to face so it's about how do you if that is the concern how do you improve that connectivity with your team how do you build up those relationships how do you get known you know I'll be honest I'd had some colleagues who'd come into the office and I'd be like who's that and they'd be like oh that's such and such and I'd be like oh god I don't think I've ever seen them on camera and it's that as well you know I know people sometimes don't like having their cameras on but how can that connectivity be addressed how can that be you know improved remotely because that often is the issue um, there might be some, there might be a really wholehearted business reason as to why you do need to be in the office at least once a month. I don't know, something reasonable, something that's scheduled, something that you can have routine, you know, setups around. If it's childcare, whatever it may be, it's like, look, I know that every second Wednesday of the month, mm. I'm going to have to be in the office and you can plan for it. You know, and it's the same with business trips or anything like that. If there was going to be a change in routine and there's a real business need for it and a requirement for it, absolutely fine. Not going to push back on that. But I do need to have advance warning because I do need to make sure that I have got my own infrastructure at home Mm -hmm. firm enough to be able to accommodate that. I can't just switch off like that. And, you know, I can't talk to my, you know, team member who lives in Wales and say, by the way, we need you in the office in London. 
who's got two small children who's going to like right that's not going to work for me you can't do that and it shouldn't feel like you're being tested that you can for some people I think it does it's like yeah it's like well you weren't able to come when I gave you an hour's notice into the office and it was like of course I flipping well couldn't that wasn't a reasonable request and again it's about reasonable requests it's about accommodating your team members it's not about you know throwing them a hospital pass no it's not okay to do something like that and they go well you didn't you weren't able to come in when I said you were able to come in it's like no because it wasn't reasonable for you to ask me to do that the way that Lloyd's really went massively wrong with this lack of consultation part was maybe they could have done it in a way that accommodated everyone in mm-hmm. every way in the way they needed accommodating whether that was sending out a message that said we'd like you all to do a poll yeah in teams where you guys um you know or or we do like a a, a spreadsheet feedback sheet google doc whatever um you know questionnaire where each employee takes a questionnaire and says whether they would like to work part-time from the office full-time from the office or all the time full-time from home and the reasons why those may be or you know um it, it might be that they, they might have had a whole slew of employees who went I want to work full-time from the office that's where I want to be you know it makes sense for me oh. to be there I have client meetings in London anyway um I'd I'd rather do that than have to hot desk or they might have people who don't need to be there full time, but would like to be there part of the time. And yeah. instead they've, they've pissed a whole load of people off by mandatorily telling people they have to do it this way. And, yeah. you know, um, as, as you said, again, people moved out. Like, again, my boss lives in Manchester. It's not reasonable to ask her no. to come to Reading, um, you know, once a week or whatever. It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, consulting your employees working with them not telling them what to do again makes the whole process so much easier um it does and and they'd have had a whole lot less backlash and again they're going to lose so much talent they are and telling people what to do again just enforces this parent child mentality you know we make decision you do as you're told and it's like Mm -hmm. that's not the culture or the values that I personally would want to be reflected not just from my employer but from my bank to be honest I'm just like well hang on a minute I don't want to be associated with someone who's kind of going to be making those kind of choices um you know on other people's behalf it it just isn't something that's okay I mean the one thing I'd say about a poll the dangerous thing with a poll let's be frank if you ask everybody do you want to stay at home I think the majority of people would just say yes they would please thank you um but I think it's about taking the temperature of your employees like you say it's listening to their feedback but also not putting a value on the feedback you get for instance and I mean by that people going hmm is their point more valid than that that person's point it's about going if we do this what's the impact going to to the business do we accept that not just about we're not going to be very popular quite frankly but actually do we accept that we're going to lose some key talent here can we afford to do that also again what's our reasoning for doing this what what are we missing here in the business? What is remote working not giving us? Is it presenteeism? Is it connectivity? What is it that we actually have a problem with? Mm. And if you can outline that, you can start to work out what the strategy needs to be. I guarantee there are so many employers who would really, really, really do want more people back into the office, but they haven't done it because they've evaluated and gone, actually, is it for business reasons or is it for my own personal view? You know, or 
I think people should be back in the office. And it's interesting, the, the more people I see that say, actually physically look at that person going, oh, they should be back in the office. They are, they're always of a, a similar demographic. I think there is a real lack of um, caring responsibilities potentially that they are operating within. And they don't necessarily have the same pressure points as everybody else. They're kind of living a little bit in their, their ivory tower saying what needs to happen. And they have not taken the temperature of their employees, their team, the people, because ultimately people are the foundation on which every single business builds their success. And if you cannot respect what the people need, the people that ultimately are doing the work that makes you the money, then more for you. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a real case of, of of the business working with HR, working with their HR department to mm. make sure that their employees are being dealt with sensitive sensitively, yeah, um, and and to make sure that those you know those points are you know right for every employee because again, there's every employee has a right as you quite rightly pointed out to flexible working but equally they have a right to um to understanding and compassion from their employer Um, so we're going to move on to the next bit I think go on now you've said it a couple of times now I've left now I've left yeah exactly exactly everyone Kelly's new adventure is mm. entering the world of self-employment really Indeed, as a content creator and I think that's yes. one one thing I would like to point out to everyone listening to this right now is just because Kelly has left the corporate world and is now a, a full-time content creator which mm. I'll say now congratulations thank you does not mean that she is not working she is still yes. working. She was working two full-time jobs, one in the media industry and one as a content creator. And now you get to follow your passion project and, do. and do that full-time. So congratulations. Thank you. Um, tell us a bit more about this. Do you know, it's funny you say about, you know, you're still working full-time. That's been the biggest mind shift for me, to be honest. That's been my biggest challenge because I kept saying phrases like, when I'm not working anymore. And it was actually my husband who kept saying, you are still working I'm like oh yeah I am still working because it's just all I've ever known is what I always classify as the nine to five you know ever since I left university which was many moons ago um so it has been a bit of a shift for me mentally to kind of get into that space but you're right you know it is self-employment it is content creation it is it's just storytelling so I've basically worked in the media industry for 20 plus years um and I've worked in advertising specifically So my craft has always been telling stories, telling the stories of clients and making them palatable to the audience, you know, in which, you know, whether it's a magazine that I'm working for, whether it's a a digital platform that I'm working for, whether it's a TV channel that I'm working for, I've always found a way to make stories and put them through the filter of whomever I'm working for and to be able to make that message palatable to that particular audience. That's basically what advertising and marketing is all about in a nutshell, as you well know. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I don't need to feel twice. (laughs) Now in content creation actually isn't that too dissimilar. You were talking earlier about transferable skills. It is transferable skills because ultimately, you know, I've got kind of two sides in its most simplistic form of what I'm doing. One is the organic content. So that's the stuff that I'm not doing through paid partnerships. It's just stuff that storytelling that I'm doing. And the great thing now is that, you know, working motherhood has always been a passion point of mine. 
um, because we just lose far too many incredibly talented, you know, human beings after they have kids for a variety of reasons. Um, and now I actually have the time to be able to address that, to raise those voices. You know, I look at people like Anna and Jolie from Mother Pucker and, and Pregnant yeah. and Scrooge and think, you know, they're making a real difference and I want to make a real difference. But the fact of the matter is that there is so much that goes into telling those stories, starting those conversations, changing people's viewpoints, that it is a full-time job. You know, yeah. I laugh, it's gone from a nine to five to a 24 seven because you're now constantly thinking, how can I tell that story? And I know what I want to say, but how is that going to catch people's imagination, make people want to engage, make people want to share that message with as many people as possible so that you can, you know, get people talking about these particular topics is massively important. But yeah, I had to, I came to a crossroads. And I was like, I can stay in a job, which to an extent is risk-free. I've been there forever. Yeah. I know everybody, I, you know, I'm senior. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a happy place. I love my team, but it's not really sparking me the way it used to. Or I can take what is classed as the more risky option, um, which is to go full-time content creator and actually step fully into the job that is the career, ultimately, that is making me exciting, that does spark me, that does make me feel passionate, but also for me makes a difference because I can take the conversation about flexible mm. working. I can talk about, you know, the lack of childcare reform or the fact we need, you know, to look at the yeah. infrastructure around childcare, all of that, talk about it and, and be able to do it. Because actually, the other thing that when you do work for a corporation is that there are also social media rules. So yeah. there are things that you can and cannot say. And my previous employer, um, impartiality is absolutely key for all staff which meant that I was not allowed to talk about things like childcare reform because it could be seen as being overly critical of the government. And that goes against the impartiality rules. Yes. Um, so things like that, I've never really been able to sink my teeth into. I hadn't quite thought of it like that. I'd been adhering to certain, every company has brand values and guidance yeah. about how you are perceived publicly. Even, yeah. you know, I'm on public platforms and I mean social media we obviously have conversations with your mates and what have you in private that's that's one thing they're not employing robots but if you are publicly doing something and if like me you have 50,000 followers <laughs> ultimately you have to be very mindful of what you are putting out there ultimately because even though your opinions are your own they can still be seen through the prism of who you work for you are still representing that particular brand so walking away from that means all of a sudden I'm representing myself as the brand as it were so I can have the freedom to be able to do that so that's one side of things that's the kind of the, the organic content creation what pays the bills yeah are the commercial partnerships and that's when you know you are looking at working with brands and telling their brand stories which again is something I've been doing for many 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 years anyway um for publishers and for broadcasters and now I'm able to do it yeah. for my channel but I do think long and hard about which brands I work with because I don't just work with anybody. I only, only ever work with brands that match my values that I either use or have used or would use and believe is a value, you know, value to the, um, you know, my audience for knowing about ultimately, yeah. you know, I've been approached by some very, very random brands in my time, advertising some very, very random things, which I've seen others advertise and that's fine because that's the, the route that they have chosen to take 
But I look at it and go, that's of absolutely no value to my audience. And you can wave as much money in my face as you like. But I don't know who you are. I don't know what you stand for. I don't know what your sustainability policy is. I don't know, you know, how diverse the other influences are that you're working with. That's also really key as well. You know, all of that. So it's really nice to be my own boss and actually be able to now make all of those choices myself. And I don't do it just with myself. I have a I have a wonderful, wonderful agent and loads and loads of friends who I consider my team who work for the same agency and outside of the agency of you know content creators whom we all all each other's cheerleaders yeah. so I've, you know it, it's not um it, the standard family at your but... Instagram it does seem like you've got a really good network of, of friends yeah. as well that you can rely on which is brilliant and you know part part of the reason why I started Mums Work in Chaos was because mm. I kept seeing all this stuff on Instagram about how the village didn't exist anymore. Yeah. But I don't think, but I was having a debate with my sister about it. And we were talking about the village and and what it, whether it existed or not. And I was saying it does exist. You just need to know where to look for it. And, and equally it's different for different people. It's changed a lot since we've, um, you know, London was too expensive for us we moved out of London Mm. um we live in Essex now we're half an hour in either direction from our parents we don't have um traditional um you know luckily we can still drop the kids off and and do things but equally it's not like we can just call up and say you know oh we fancy going to the cinema tonight can you just come around and look after them It's it's not that easy but equally like if anything happens to one of my friend's kids who are at the same school as my daughter we are all down to collect children take them home give them their tea you know look after them if an emergency sprung up we know that we can call on each other and it's having that support network of of especially friends now as well it's massively it's massively important and you know my village is an eclectic mix of people and characters (laughs) ultimately (laughs) um and it was interesting I saw um someone posted on Instagram the other day about I don't have a best friend I don't really recognize that term anymore I have different groups of friends who unlock certain parts of me Mm. and I thought that's a really beautiful way to put it because it's absolutely true and I feel like that about my village because you know there are people that I would go to for emotional support there are people that I go to for creative support there are people that I go to for certain you know bits of advice also, you also know amongst your friendship group who's going to be the enabler. You know, <laughs> if you're, you know, if you're saying, should I do this? Who you go to, you know, speaks volumes about what you want the answer to be sometimes. Oh, be yeah, honest. massively. You know, it's like, I really want to do this. I'm going to go to that person who's going to say yes to this, but pretend that, you know, they might <laughs> say no, they're not going to. Um, but I know who's there, you might know, like you say with childcare, it, it is massively important. And let's be honest, for all of us who work, Childcare is the foundation on which we build our own successes. Oh my God, yeah. Unless you have good, solid, reliable childcare, we cannot do what we need to do. We absolutely can't. Um, and, you know, I remember one time, a couple of months ago, actually, I was really poorly and I'd been being, I'm just going to say being poorly all night. I won't go into too much detail, but I was not very well <laughs> at all. Um, in, unfortunately, had to be in the office the next day there was one of those meetings there was just a no chance this has got to go in and I was lying on the sofa in my dressing gown 
and I was like I can't physically get to the kitchen let oh alone take God. the kids um so he delayed his meeting in enough to get the kids into their uniforms but then had to leg it and then I literally just messaged uh, this one particular group I've got of the most incredible friends and said can anybody take the girls to school today every single one of them came back and said yes every yeah. single one were like yes I can take the kids and I've got a similar setup but with all of them as well it comes back in in the other ways that yeah yeah you know a friend of mine ended up with a situation where both her and her husband got called into the office and they both had to be in London at stupid o'clock. And they were like, is it anywhere the boys, you can take the boys to school? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Do they need breakfast? Do you want to bring them in the pyjamas? Do they need to get yeah. dressed? What, what do you need? Like, it's fine because, you know, taking two or taking four makes no difference. And actually it helps me because my girls are shocking in the morning. They're in such bad moods. So to actually bring in this new disruptive element of, and I mean disruptive in a good sense, yeah. in a shaking up the morning, they were in a brilliant mood and everyone skipped to school that morning. I was like, now I'm calling her going, can I take your kids to school, please? So that my children aren't in such shocking moods. I've, um, I've asked by, I've, I've had friends who have offered to take my kids to school because, or especially my daughter to school, because um, her, their their kids didn't want to go um it I find that like you know um they they were having a particular struggle with their child wanting to go into school anyway yeah especially during the strikes was difficult because they um uh you know their their siblings weren't at school but yeah. they were so our children are year two year two hasn't striked as much or neither is year six because of the sats um and so it's meant that um that they've had to go in mm. and in in this lady's case her um her the other two kids are older and younger and were off um and so it meant that um uh, this child didn't want to go in school she offered to take my daughter as well and it really helped it does um, really helped her kids and so and um you know there've there have been cases where we've we've got to the lane uh ready to walk down and someone else has literally just opened the car door got their kid out and I've been like join the train we're going let's let's just go well I'll walk your yeah. kid for you um and it, it just makes so much of a difference having that village you know it is massively important you do need that that support network but it's also important that you identify in the nicest way where you think those needs are going to be and cultivate that you know I've often yeah. heard people talk about a village and go I don't have a village like you've said you probably do have a village just don't realize you don't realize but also have you made an effort to create that village because mm. a village just doesn't appear to you you know yeah. you do also have there is a responsibility to, to cultivate that 100%. you know you can't you can't, for instance, you know, maybe not get involved at school in a particular capacity. I'm saying yep. this is someone who's on our version of the PTA, you know. <laughs> and then when you go to, when you do have a problem, and go, oh, I need someone to help me with this. And it's like, but have you, I don't know, have, have you been involved? Have you, have you, you know, been an active member I suppose sounds yeah. like saying that I know for some people it's not quite that easy and, and what have you but you know the, you do need to reach out occasionally and ask for help but also you know you don't have to give it back that's it's not really how those relationships work no. but you know you can grow your village and I know some people don't find social interaction particularly uncomfortable yeah, particularly comfortable um Anna Martha at the moment's got this brilliant ribbon movement um which I just adore and I don't know if anyone's familiar with it which ultimately is 
a lot of the reason that people if they're struggling if they're out with their kids and they need yes. a nappy or some wipes or they just need some emotional support and they don't we don't want to offend someone by asking them you know are you okay like I've seen some mums before and they've been maybe struggling with the child in the supermarket and I'm looking at them not because I'm judging them but because I'm trying to read their social cues of do you do you want me to come over can I help in some way what do you want me to do what I love about Anna's ribbon movement is if you tie a ribbon to your bag it basically mm. says I am here for you yeah if you need me to provide you if I've got it with something a nappy a snack a drink yeah. whatever it is I will help you there was a lovely story that she shared the other day um one of her followers had messaged in basically saying that um she'd had some particularly bad news and she was in the middle of the park there was no one she knew around and then she saw a mum with a ribbon tied to her bag and she just went over and said can I have a hug I've just had some really bad news straight away there was a hug yeah and it's that kind of thing but again I think people don't often feel comfortable in social situations to have those conversations or to start them up I mean I'm a talker yeah, same. <laughs> it's no surprise to anyone. You know, I am that person who I think I have that kind of a face. I'm always asked for directions. I'm always asked for the time. I'm always asked for whatever anybody needs. People will just strike up conversations with me randomly. Yeah. And I don't just think it's down to the Instagram. This has been happening years before I had an account, and potentially people might recognize me. But it, it's happened for years. So I know I've got that kind of face and I have that kind of personality that we'll just chat to the person on the checkout in the yeah. supermarket. I will chat to the person in the post office queue you know that's who I am but not everybody has those natural conversational skills Mm. so it is much more challenging to create that village but if you can find a way to come out of your comfort zone the benefits oh yeah doing that are absolutely massive and as I said I've just got this group of incredible humans in my life who I can go to for whatever I need and I know that they are always going to be there and not because there's something in it for them or because they're expecting me to give them something back. And it's a like, like it's not because that's not really how friendship works. And that ultimately is, is how you just cultivate your village. But we need it because when your child is sick, when there are strikes, mm. when you're sick, when you get called into a meeting, when something overruns, when you're trying to avoid the nursery fees because the trains are delayed, all of those what? things... <laughs> You need there to be somebody, a group of people, whomever it is that you can call upon and say, please, can I have help? And that's the other thing we need to get better at, asking for help, because there is no shame in asking for help, none at all. And it's just say, please, can you help me? Yeah. And get the help that you need. One, I think that was one thing I I found really uh, difficult even when I started working was asking for help you yeah. know knowing knowing my limits and I think that's the that's the other thing is knowing your limits like what are you what are you capable of how much of your time can you give to other people but equally mm. like what can you offer so like um <laughs> I was I, I posted a, a, a video up on my stories last <laughs> my my one of my friends um is is still suffering with long covid um it's it's awful um and so um out of this group of of mum friends from school we all take it in turns to to do kids and things but equally there isn't as much expectation on me because I work full time but I will be there and I will do the things that I'm able to do so in this case um her daughter comes with my eldest daughter to dance lessons 
Um, and um, it basically means I pick them up from school, I shout at them until they get ready, I take them over to the dance lessons, which is a two minute walk from my house. Um, yeah. And then they go and dance for two hours. I do the rest of my work, pick up my kids from nursery, pick them up from dance lessons, and I feed everyone dinner, which is yeah. just crap I stick in the oven from the freezer. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, and and her friend loves it because she gets crap from the freezer, which is great. Um, she loves it because she gets to spend this time with her friend outside of school. Um, I love it because all four of them play together and yeah. her friend likes playing with the babies. The babies love her. Um, and um, And generally, overall... I get so much out of it. I get this yeah. this extra person in my house who's a novelty for the time, who keeps everyone um, yeah. doing different things and away from me for yeah. an hour. And um, and I also get the benefit of my friend being a great baker, and she bought me homemade cheesecake last night. That's always so, that's worth it in itself, isn't it? Really, homemade exactly. Cheesecake. And you know, overall, there are there are so many benefits to being part of the village that include uh you know the distraction of other children in your home which oh sometimes goodness. is amazing you can't absolutely you can't. <laughs> I mean now I'm moving to self-employment obviously I have a greater level of flexibility yeah. in terms of when I work and when I don't um you know and my friends and I've joked about that because they're just like so you're providing the summer holiday childcare for the full six weeks then are you and I was like not on your life um because my own I need quiet to create club. content <laughs> well this is it I mean and this is it. I mean they're only joking because you know that's it as well it's I'm still now I'm now looking at, at holiday clubs because like you rightly say self-employment doesn't mean I'm not working it means no. that I have a greater level of flexibility absolutely also means I have to do my own taxes now which sucks um hire an accountant <laughs> I've, I've got one it's my brother-in-law um but the the, the great the village is, the village know, is helping. It, is, it is the village it is the village um but it is great because um I can actually joking aside if they are stuck I can do yeah. a day for them it isn't actually going to be too much of a problem again as long as it's semi-factored in it's oh, not yeah. too bad because I do still have you know treatments to write briefs to answer all the other stuff content to create stories to tell whatever it is filming mood boarding directing whatever it is I'm having to do at that particular time that still has to happen um I'm gonna give more flexibility to do it but at the same time even you know during school hours as well I was talking to my friend last night you know and I was saying to her you know if you get stuck I can absolutely have your kids back I can just pick yours up at the same time I'm picking mine up and feed them all together it doesn't matter because actually in those hours I probably wasn't going to be getting much done anyway because no. the kids are here so having an extra few bodies doesn't really make a bit of difference to me mm. it just means a couple of extra chicken nuggets and chips in the you know in the oven ultimately Amazing and that's how it. much fun they can have on a swing a trampoline and access oh, to a goodness, full of ice creams that it's just ice lollies for us I'm just like help yourself to ice lollies it's frozen juice go for it I'm, yeah, I'm exactly. not too fussed about that you know fill your boots ultimately and uh, yeah job's good <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Kelly. Pleasure. It was amazing Pleasure. having you on. And guys, I hope that we answered your questions. I hope we provided great, uh, really useful advice for you guys. And I hope that, you know, you find the access that you need for flexible working. Yes. And please do give Kelly a follow. She, one, is hilarious and provides amazing content. But equally, she gives you a look at, this the realness of motherhood as well um there was a reel you produced recently which uh, honestly broke my heart but made me you know oh 
it, it made was, me feel very validated honest, yeah I was honest as a new mum I think it, yeah it's really important that one I would but, uh, yeah yeah it's it's what it yeah it was it was a brilliant reel it needed to be said and I think that it goes towards helping other mums feel that validation that they need especially in those early stages of motherhood which it's just poop and nappies and yeah if there's a, if there's one I could advise everyone checks out if you do come to my account um, yes. in the commute it's if I've been honest when I came back from maternity leave that's the one that I'm probably the most proud of and I've had so many messages from people telling me I've shown that to my HR department and it's now being shown in our company so people my understand goodness. what it's like to come back that is the type of I know one of the questions I was asked is what's the type of content you want to make more of that is the type of yeah. content just to hear that people have been showing it into their HR team and the HR team are adopting it to show to the rest of the company that is the kind of content that needs to be out there amazing well we look forward to seeing more of that content and I will Fabulous. make sure to share that reel to my stories as well so everyone yes they can can see that oh um uh, it is, it is on my plans to start building out proper highlights deck for everyone to see um but um this uh, we'll be sharing snippets of the podcast as well on um, the Instagram channel. So um, again, if you are a listener and you feel that people need to be listening to uh, this podcast, please do share it um, and you'll be able to access it across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google and Amazon Music. We are everywhere. Um, again, thank you so much for joining me thank um, you. today. Um, I look forward to speaking to you again at some point. Definitely. Thank you so much, Anne. Take care. Thank you. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Mum's Work and Chaos, please make sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting channel you're listening on at the moment. Or if you'd like to get involved, feel free to email me at mumsworkandchaos at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at mumsworkandchaos. See you then. <laughs>